did I become interested in interior design? Hi, this is a Veggie Interior Design Queen podcast. I'm your host, Aurora Rodriguez. I help busy women and professionals through my interior design services save time by transforming beautiful and functional spaces in their homes so that they can live in comfort and ease. This podcast is about interior design, why I started a design business, client stories, what caused this industry interest, and my vegetarian lifestyle, and how it fuses with interior design. So today is the second episode, and I am celebrating my birthday, and I want to do a special giveaway, so listen until the end of this second episode to get all the details. So before we dive in, I want to now talk about my path, and I want to give you a perspective so you can see the world through a child's lens and those defining moments in my life. So I think that would be the best way to start this episode, especially because I know many of you guys that follow me through Dawn to Dust Designs were curious to know, well, what caused this interior design interest? So let's cover the the basic foundations and we'll take it from there. So to begin, I, I think it's important to start off with what How did my creativity develop? Well, it definitely started as a very young girl. I used to love arts and crafts. I mean, I still do, but that's where it started. I was obsessed with coloring. And (laughs) I don't know if any of you guys have also experienced this, but coloring, I I was a perfectionist when it came to coloring. I, I always made sure that I didn't color outside the lines. Also, I used to play a lot with Play-Doh. I would cut a lot of things and glue them on paper. And I also used a lot of glitter as well in my art projects. And I think that definitely happened not just at home when I was, you know, a kid, but it also happened in school, like preschool and kinder, as I'm sure many of you guys have also experienced that. I remember my mom had bought me a Crayola box. It has 64 crayons. And I, once I learned how to read, I was obsessed with reading these names. I was fascinated by the variety of colors and just the different names. Um, Some names that come to mind are Magenta, (laughs) Periwinkle, Burnt Sienna, and I was also obsessed with the way the, the gold crayon looked as well as the copper and the silver because they had this metallic finish and I just love how it looks like I noticed that when I would press really hard against the paper that's when you see that when you would see the true color of the crayon and of course if you color lightly you really wouldn't see that metallic finish it almost looked like it had metal in it it was pretty bizarre and you know just to dive a little bit deeper about preschool and kinder when I when I started preschool, I think I was four years old when my mom put me and my brother in preschool. And in preschool, there was just so many arts and crafts. And I remember going in that in the building, and you could just smell the crayons, and you can smell the play-doh. And to this day, anytime I smell those scents, like I just love them because it brings back fond memories of my childhood and also plastic I remember in kindergarten they gave us this this green folder to put on our homework 
assignments and that scent like I could still vividly recall how it smelled and anytime I smell those those things it just brings back those memories and one vivid memory too that I have in first grade in particular I remember the teacher going around because we were going to work on a on a project and she was passing around construction paper and all the boys were picking the color blue naturally <laughs> and a lot of the girls were also picking the color pink and I noticed that because I was pretty good with arts and crafts and I think a lot of the other kids were noticing as well because I was a, such a perfectionist and that came from my mom and my dad and when I when it came to me and this was just observation that I had noticed prior to that any time that I picked a certain color, the girls that would come up next would choose the same color. And I don't know if it was because they wanted to copy me or because it was just a natural instinct for kids to pick the same thing that the other kid picks. So when it when it came to me, as I saw a lot of the girls were picking pink, I said, you know what? I don't want to select the color pink for my construction paper. I'm going to choose blue because <laughs> I was trying to be a rebel. So when I chose blue, I think it threw off the the girl that was next. And I don't remember if she also chose blue because I chose blue or if she chose pink. But in any case... That was my first memory of wanting to be different. Like I didn't want to copy all the other little girls or choose the same thing that these other girls were choosing. And that just stuck with me for up to this day. And it's just something interesting that I noticed. And I don't know if anybody else has experienced that. But as you guys um, may recall from my last episode, I had mentioned that my parents are creative and my mom at the time when we were kids she used to sew clothing as part of her i don't know if it was a full-time position or part-time most likely it was part-time because she was taking care of us she was a stay-at-home mom but she used to sew clothing and i remember her showing me how to sew pillows for my barbies she gave me fabric samples and we cut them into like little rectangles and she showed me how to thread a needle and mind you I was really little I was probably in kindergarten or maybe even first grade and she showed me how to you know sew those pillows and I put we put cotton balls inside it and it was just so fascinating so that was my first experience sewing and just being creative in, in that aspect and she always encouraged creativity in the sense of, you know, coloring and, and staying, staying active at home, like coloring different things. I remember she used to draw ducks and she would color them. And I was just fascinated to see, oh, my mom can actually draw. That was pretty cool. <laughs> so that's some of my earliest memories of how that, that creativity developed. And just having various toys, too, that involves sticking shapes in a in a circular toy and matching colors and things like that and I'm sure many of you guys have also done the same thing but I when I was you know taking notes 
to talk about this episode. I was like really digging deep to all these memories that I have and, and it's just so fascinating to see how how that happened. So another another thing that I wanted to cover was how my mom really instilled decorating for the holidays. For example, for Easter we would decorate um, we would make um, she would save the eggshells whenever she made breakfast and those eggshells we would once they were dry we would cover them with confetti and then use paper to cover that hole and the eggs that she would buy were white so those were easy to to paint with that dye that they sell for for Easter and she always encouraged it for my siblings and I but I think out of all of because there's five I'm the oldest of five kids and I think out of all of us, I'm the one that just really loved it the most. And also for Christmas, she would encourage decorating. And my dad was keen on always buying every year a brand new tree. He loved the smell of the pine, the pine tree. So to him, that was important. He never wanted an artificial tree. So every year we would go and buy the tree as a family. We would come home. And my mom would encourage my siblings and I to to decorate it. And it was fun. It was fun experiencing that, just spending quality time with the family. And, you know, I think that's definitely where the decorating came came into play and the big interest happened. Specifically, every year it, it would happen. And it came to a point where my mom wouldn't even ask anymore. I was the one that was, Mom, I'm ready to decorate because <laughs> I already kind of knew what the tradition was. And then at the tender age of seven, my dad took us to Mexico. And mind you, we had been to TJ, to Tijuana, but this was the first time that he was going to take us to Guadalajara, where he's from, and also Guanajuato, where my mom's family is from. So I recall looking at the buildings and I was very fascinated and, and intrigued because they looked so different from, you know, from where I was growing up, which was in L.A. And I also noticed the poverty. So uh, there were a lot of buildings that just looked like they were going to fall down. They didn't look as pretty as they did here in the U.S., and one specific memory I have was um, the whole toilet situation because uh, my family members, especially from Guanajuato, they're they're not they're not rich. They're not, you know, they're barely making ends meet, and you know, thankfully they had a a roof over their heads and they're able to eat. But they didn't have the means to have a normal toilet the way we do here in the United States. And this was back in the in the early '90s, the first time we went. So you can imagine how how things were back then. And maybe some of you guys have family members in Mexico that probably faced same similar situations. But the toilet was it was like outside of the house, somewhere in the backyard, and it was um, they call it a pozo, which basically translates to a well. But it's like a, a circle and everything, like the poop, the urine, everything just goes down there. And luckily it was enclosed 
in this solid wooden structure. And you know, you open the, the wooden door, you step inside, and the floor had this piece of wood. And there were some, I remember there were some, some openings like cracks that you could see down. And it was kind of scary because it didn't feel like the flooring was that secure. So I remember just seeing that and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is where I have to use the restroom. And I'm a seven year old. So, and then to top it off, there's this stench that you can barely handle. And at night, I just remember that being kind of scary because it's dark and they didn't have any lighting. So I'm pretty sure with that trauma and the stench, and then at some point, I remember using the restroom and I felt like critters down there. It was just so uncomfortable. And I I just, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I was probably constipated at some point because I didn't want to use the restroom. But that type of experience was one of the first ones that I really recall looking at at interior design and noticing how a simple thing as a toilet and not having one when you go to another country can just change your whole experience. And I also noticed that they also didn't have any hot running water. So there were many times when we had to shower in cold water and I'm sure many of you guys have done that. That is so uncomfortable. And I imagine doing that as a kid. And they also had to, if we wanted warm water, we had to boil the water before taking a shower. And of course, that's that's time consuming and that's hard. Can you imagine having to do that every day or every other day, however often you, you bathe or shower? So that was something that really stuck in my mind. And... When we went to Guadalajara for the first time, my dad would take us walking. We walked a lot. So we got our, our good workout in every day <laughs> when we were there. And one, the very first time that I, I experienced something so impactful was seeing this beautiful, rustic uh, water fountain. In Guadalajara and I was just infatuated and amazed to see this this water fountain because they had these ornate details and it was made out of stone and it was just so beautiful and I had never seen anything like that here in in the states so when I saw that for the first time oh I just I loved it <laughs> I loved it so much that now I have this huge thing for water features like I just love not just the aesthetics, but also the sound of the water. It just sounds so relaxing. And another thing that I also noticed was that my dad pointed out when we were walking down certain residential areas, we noticed these huge walls. And I was wondering, why does this house have a huge wall? You can't even see the house. Like what? What's? It just brought curiosity. Like what is behind this wall? And turns out, my dad was explaining that those are rich people's homes and and I said well why do they have a, a huge wall if if they have you know they're rich and they have a beautiful home and he I remember him saying that it was because they're high they're basically hiding it they don't want people to to see their home and say oh we're gonna target their home and we're gonna steal from them and I was just blown away by that because 
in my mind, I thought, oh, well, if you're rich and you have this beautiful home, don't you want to show it off? And if you want to show it off, you don't want to have this huge wall covering the beauty of your home. And thinking back to, you know, being here in the United States, it's like the complete opposite. You, when you go to these areas, especially in L.A., where there's these huge mansions, these beautiful homes, they don't have a wall. And if they do, it's really small, <laughs> you know, just for the aesthetics or so that people don't walk, you know, on their lawn. But they want to show them off. The, that, that isn't a concern here in the United States. So to me, that was fascinating to see just like a different perspective. And then once, you know, we were there for a month. Thankfully, you know, it was during during summer school vacation. And in that one month, yeah, time went by fast. But I remember coming back home and I was just eager to come back home because even though I enjoyed my experience, just having to experience the whole bathroom situation and showering in, you know, cold water and things like that. I was just like, I was ready to come back home. I, and when we did get home, I felt like, wow, this is luxury. You know, this is, I felt like, oh, we were wealthy, even though we lived in a one bedroom apartment. But I just, I I just realized that I, I couldn't wait to come back home. And I actually miss being home. So having that comfort, having your own bed, having your actual toilet <laughs> and having warm water where you just turn the faucet and there's your warm water. So those little things were so impactful. And I think more people or at least younger kids need to experience that so they can really be grateful for what they do have. And it, it truly made me appreciate what we have here in in the United States and it also made me have empathy for for people that live out there and the type of lifestyles that they have and the struggles you know they are real and again those little things is what kind of made me open my eyes to to interior design but I wasn't thinking really much about it until now that that I'm older. So then there was another time where my family and I went furniture shopping for the first time. And that was an interesting experience because, mind you, that's five kids plus my mom and my dad. So it was a family of seven. And my we needed a new dining table. And my dad was really picky, wanted to make sure that he made a good investment and that we got a table that was big enough for for all seven of us and i remember we spent hours shopping for a sturdy large dining table we went to multiple stores and i just remember feeling like oh what what's the excitement i mean i don't know if my parents were excited but i know i wasn't <laughs> I was not excited about shopping for a dining table and and just looking at, at the at the different styles. I mean there was glass tables and wooden ones and, and different different kinds and my dad is was he was and still is very frugal. He was making sure that he wasn't gonna spend a lot of money on a dining table, but he still wanted to get the best that 
he could get for his money. But, and I remember he was bargaining and we just visited many stores and, you know, the, the measurements that, that took place. So all those little things, you know, were, it was an experience to say the least. And I think if in the end we ended up finding uh, this really sturdy dining table <laughs> and even like the chairs that, that, they, that they got, they made sure that they were upholstered with this clear vinyl because the the material was fabric and my parents knew with these kids we got to make sure that they stay clean and that they last a long time so one of my uncles ended up upholstering the the those dining chairs and they lasted for a very long time i think my mom still has those some of those chairs as a matter of fact and then now moving on to uh, another experience my dad, he's always been a very handy person. As a matter of fact, he, he was an auto mechanic and he was also a smog technician. Uh, when we were kids, he, he fixed up the backyard and my parents were, were big on growing um, chilies or chiles and cherry tomatoes. And that was such a fascinating experience because seeing the process of growing your own vegetables or your own cherry tomatoes and then seeing the process of them growing and then actually eating them was an experience in itself and they were so delicious i remember those being way better than anything that you buy from the store and as i got older i realized okay and learning about things that are organic i was like wow that truly was an organic tomato and an organic chili like there were no pesticides that were used and it was all natural and no gmos none of that so to me that was that was so fascinating and it inspired me to grow my own sunflowers when i was in high school and that experience too was was so fun because i remember i was fascinated with sunflowers in high school and, and i thought oh yeah i want to grow my own sunflowers so i bought some seeds I think at Home Depot and I planted them in the backyard and little by little they started to grow and they grew so big probably the size of a small watermelon and because they were so heavy the sunflower was like leaning over so my mom and my dad helped me tie the, the sunflowers onto the wall and that's the only way that they can can stay standing and when they were fully grown like you could see all the sunflower seeds on the sunflower and to me that was so fascinating because the way the shape looked and everything about it and then knowing that once the sunflower is fully grown then you can pick out all the sunflower seeds and roast them so of course i roasted those sunflower seeds and i added salt to them and let them dry I think I added the salt first, I let them dry and then I roasted them and they were so good. I mean, yes, they weren't, they didn't taste exactly like the ones from the, from the store when you buy the sunflower seeds, but just the experience and knowing that this was all natural, I grew myself. There was like this sense of satisfaction and it was just so delicious and it was just so rewarding to see that whole process. So those little things have definitely stuck with me. And then another time when I was in high school, I traveled to Washington, D.C. for this one week program. 
and it was called the Presidential Scholars. I believe that program is no longer available. It's non-existent now, but it was an amazing program for one week. And when I went to Washington, D.C. for the first time, I was the first time traveling by myself. And I loved it. I ended up getting that traveling bug afterwards. But we visited Washington, uh, we visited the White House. And this was back then. It was in the late 90s when I went. I was a junior in high school. And at that time, they still allowed you to tour the White House. And that was just so amazing. Like Now that I like think back, and I'm, I feel so grateful that I had that opportunity because I just fell in love with the blue room with the red room and just seeing the, the White House up close was just so fascinating. And I recall looking at the interiors and looking at all the decorations and the design and thinking, wow, how, how amazing, how did they do this? So those little things are, are, are moments in my life that I started to pay attention to, to interior design. And I also remember we had a fancy dinner at, I think it was at a hotel or somewhere, but I remember this, whole, this fancy restaurant <clears throat> had this beautiful, stunning interior with all these architectural details, chandeliers, the tables were decorated very nicely with these beautiful table covers centerpieces you see all this glassware and dining ware and i remember feeling uncomfortable and i was thinking why do i feel uncomfortable well because i had never been to a place like that before it was out of my comfort zone i mean the only places my dad would take us to go eat was in pollo loco and king taco and if you've been to those places here in la they're not fancy looking at all so I felt uncomfortable and, and, and it was an interesting experience because I had never, never felt that before. And, and I'm sure there's people out there too that feel uncomfortable when they're in, in places that look really fancy or places that look like only rich people go to. So that was an interesting experience. And the only thing that, that made me feel comfortable about that was I took a, a dining etiquette class in fifth grade. So all I knew was that the way the utensils are placed, they're placed in order of use. So you have to start from the outside and work your way in. <laughs> so that's the only thing that I knew and made me feel comfortable. But other than that, just seeing the, the interior and all that, it was so weird. And also I noticed that when we were traveling from one tourist site to the next, the homes looked very different out in Washington DC a lot of those homes were made out of brick and they look so different from the ones here in in LA and then another another memory I have was that in high school my dad removed the carpet of, of our home and we were living this was when we were in Compton and we were living in a mobile home and the carpet he had to replace it because, you know, eventually, you know, when you're walking in and out of the house and if, if you're in a, in a family home that doesn't, isn't accustomed to taking off their shoes so that they don't get the carpet dirty, then, you know, naturally that carpet's going to get dirty. So my parents were tired of, of seeing the, the, the carpet and they just figured, you know what, let's put tile instead. 
and I, I feel lucky now that I look back, but when they replaced it, they actually let me pick the color. <laughs> and I don't know if it was because I was the oldest or if it was because I kind of just volunteered myself to say, hey, can I help you guys choose the color? I don't know. I don't know like what, what made them allow me. I mean, now that I look back, I feel honored that they let me choose the, the color of the tile because that's such a big a big decision right for the entire home and I was just obsessed with with light blue at the time so I picked light blue and mind you the walls were like a, a wooden brown color so I mean it still went with the color but now that I like back I probably should have chosen a different color <laughs> instead of light blue but that was that's another memory of mine that I have and then I took a sewing course in high school and I only took this course because I needed to, I needed it for my graduation requirements. And mind you, when I was in high school, I was that student that I only wanted to take AP classes, any honors courses, all of my A through G requirements so that I can, you know, start university, especially at UC Irvine, because that was my goal in high school, right after high school. And I just wanted to make sure that I met all those requirements and I didn't care about any high school, any like high school graduation requirements, like, I don't know, um, drafting and uh, what was it? Home ed or home ed, like, you know, those classes that nobody really cares about. For some students, it might be like all oh, those easy classes. But for me, I was like, no, I don't, I don't care about these classes. I didn't want to take them. And then my counselor told me, oh, you actually need these. You're still missing these for your requirements. So I couldn't get out of it. So anyway, I had to take a sewing class in the summertime before my senior year. And when I took this course, uh, the teacher had mentioned FIDM, FIDM, the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. And that's when I first found out about a school that offered various careers in design whether it was fashion design or what have you I mean back then that was mostly the one that they talked about fashion design but I didn't really know much about interior design and um, all the other ones that they now have I think FITM now has like 18 if not 22 majors in design that includes like marketing and and um, visual communication and things like that even jewelry and shoe design so that's how that kind of was brought into my awareness. And then when I was in college, I began visiting different restaurants and I noticed the interiors and they really piqued my interest. Like I remember going to Del Taco, it was near UC Irvine and the colors that they had chosen were, were really interesting because they, I remember seeing red, green, and yellow, and I love colors, guys. Uh, like I mentioned, you know, when I was a kid, coloring so much and licking all the crayons, but I, I, I love colors. I've always been obsessed with various colors, and it's not that the colors were ugly. It's just they were different shades because, you know, there's different shades of reds, different shades of blues and yellows, but the way that it was designed, it just wasn't aesthetically pleasing. It just looked, it made the place look cheap. And it made it look like it was low quality. 
even the the carpet and the upholstery it just in my eyes it didn't go well it didn't it didn't make any sense and and i remember in my mind i was making changes and saying oh this would look better <laughs> or i could do that why why what made what, what made them think that that looked good so you know it's just all those things that i started to notice and the reason why i mentioned i started visiting different restaurants is because when we were kids my dad and my mom would we would always go to the same restaurants like i mentioned el pollo loco king taco <clears throat> this burger place in somewhere in in east l.a I think it's called Dinos. So those are like the only places really that we would go to. And we really wouldn't go to fancy restaurants um, or sit-in restaurants like that. So that's kind of like how that, that happened. And, and that's what caused me to notice and, and begin having this interest. And then I noticed that I, I was uh, visiting the the restaurants that I really liked quite often. I also had a sketchbook too that I would draw like still objects and interiors and things that I would visualize in my mind and I just sketched for fun when I was in college. And I also loved decorating my apartments and and I loved it. It, it was fun. Like that was the the, the best thing about moving cuz you know, moving is not the funnest thing in the world. Because, you know, it's time consuming and what have you. But I just really enjoy decorating the apartments and visualizing what the apartment could look like. And as I mentioned before, like I researched FITM. And then when I started noticing the interiors, I wanted to find out what career is that? What, what, what can people do or what kind of people go into this restaurant and they choose the upholstery and the, the furniture, the fabrics and all of that. What What is the name of that career? And that's when I realized after my extensive research on my downtime of studying, <laughs> when I realized that that was interior design. So that's how those, those things kind of really came about. And when I was in graduate school, I worked as a substitute teacher for about a year or about 10 months. And I noticed all the classroom interiors and all the decorations that some of these teachers had in their classroom. There was one classroom in particular that when I stepped in and I turned on the light switch, I noticed that the lights were like a, a pinkish color. And it was interesting because I had never seen a classroom with that type of lighting. And when I asked the students, hey, like, why does your teacher have this type of lighting? And then it was so cute. Like one of the kids said, oh, our teacher did some research and he chose this lighting because he said that from the research, this lighting will help us with our eyesight or vision where when we're reading our books, the light reflection won't... Um, affect our vision or the the lighting that bounces off the book in our eyes won't won't affect us as much and i was like wow that is so interesting i'm glad to hear that there is a teacher that actually took the time to research and and find a way to to improve the students learning abilities and 
that was so interesting. I was like, wow, and that's something that I always that I always remember. And then also I had to do field work for my counseling hours when I was doing my master's. I had to do 600 hours at a total. I had to do 200 hours at elementary school and then at a middle school and then another 200 at the high school setting. So of course, when I was doing my counseling, my counseling fieldwork hours, I was noticing the offices of the principals and the counselors, how they decorated, how they had certain things up on the wall as far as decorations went, the type of furniture that they had. And there was one particular principal who, it was at a middle school, and this was in Bakersfield. And when I stepped inside, I noticed that his whole office was a light blue, and he had baseball decorations everywhere and trophies and he looked like he had a very organized situation going on I think his desk was a dark brown espresso color so it looked very luxurious and he had a nice chair as well that could have been leather but it might have been vinyl who knows (laughs) which I'll get into later but I, I, I knew right off the bat, I'm like, okay, this guy clearly loves baseball. He probably played it as a kid. The light blue is very calming. And because Bakersfield gets really hot in the, in the spring and summer, and I think when I did my internship was around that time, it felt very cool in there, aside from having the AC on. So I, I remember asking him, hey, like, do you like baseball? Like I could tell. He's like, yeah, I do. Oh, and then now that I think about it, his his light at the top. You know how all, um, when you have, especially lighting lighting in classrooms, they have like this clear cover that looks opaque. Well, what he did is he took that off, and he put a cover that looked like. A sky like if you were in in Hawaii and you're looking up at the sky and you see part of a palm tree and then you see the blue sky with beautiful white fluffy clouds that was his lighting cover and I was like that is so beautiful I want to have something like that when I have my own office (laughs) so I was getting all these ideas and I was just like wow how fun how interesting can you imagine working in this office all the time and just coming in and enjoying this type of environment. So that's how I started to notice and I was just gathering all these all these ideas for my own office. So I was getting excited about becoming a counselor and having a really fun office. So then too, when I was in graduate school, I got my studio apartment and this was the first time I had an apartment where it was just all by myself. I didn't have any roommates or anything like that to worry about. And I loved it. And the way I decorated, I got really creative. I had a lot of color in there. And the manager came once to ask me a question. And when she saw my apartment, she was like, Aurora, you did all this by yourself? You decorated this? I said, yes. She's like, I love it. She said, can I use it as a model apartment? So when I have new perspective people that want to live here can I show them your apartment and I said yeah that's totally fine go for it to me it was the biggest compliment I could have ever received and it was an honor because I didn't have an interior design background or anything of that nature so 
that alone spoke volumes and I, I, I wish I would have asked her, hey, how many people did you, did you show the apartment to after all? I, I, I'll never know. But I like to think a lot of people got to see that apartment and hopefully after they saw how I decorated and, and made that space functional, I'm sure they, they decided to live there as well. <laughs> so then when I got my first counseling position, I totally went all out with my office space and I will, you know, share more details about that. But I also visited a lot of clubs and a lot of lounges, bars, coffee shops and restaurants. And I just noticed the aesthetics for a lot of these places are just so fascinating, so amazing. The colors they use, the materials they use, the finishes, the lighting. Um, especially at the nightclubs if you've ever been to any nightclubs in Vegas you know that they spend millions of dollars to design those and they are just so stunning so I I just love how they made me feel it was fun it was exciting it was it was a happy time being in those places so I just started to notice that like these good feelings and being in certain interiors and that was just so fascinating and then now as a as you know as an adult and now after i've studied interior design i even appreciate anything that involves interior design even more so because i went through that rigorous interior design program and i know what it entails i know what it takes to to design any type of interior and we also did a lot of architecture work as well using autocad and doing 3d models and and everything so all of that open, opened my eyes and it's been a, such a unique experience and so much so that like I, one, one of the beaches that I love visiting here in LA is Redondo Beach and I just love how that beach and certain angles when you look at the scenery from the, from the pier, it just, one, it looks so magical, but the way it looks, it reminds me of Acapulco, Mexico. And it's just, it's just fascinating how some places can take you back to another place that you've visited and, and various memories. So I, I gave you guys a glimpse of, you know, my childhood and, and, and what, started to cause this interest in interior design and uh, some of you guys may resonate with some of these things and and how do you know if you're interested in interior design well if some of the things that I talked about sound familiar or you've experienced the same thing then maybe interior design could be a career for you but I just wanted to make sure that I covered these things so that you have a better perspective of how I became interested in interior design. And I wanna thank you for listening to today's episode. And as you guys know, today is my birthday and to celebrate my birthday, I wanna give out $5 Starbucks gift cards to four lucky people. All you have to do is provide a review to this podcast, take a screenshot of it, and then send it to me via a DM also known as a direct message at Daunted Dust Designs on Instagram, or you can email me at info at dawn to dusk designs.com. 
and I'll select the winners by next week's episode. And of course, I'll have all of these details in the description box below. And I want to wish you guys the best of luck. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And I was trying to cover a lot of things in a short amount of time, but it seems like this episode might be a little bit longer than the first one. So I hope that you stuck around <laughs> for this second episode journey. And again, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. And remember to tune into the Veggie Interior Design Queen podcast next week where I'll cover how I started my vegetarian journey and how I noticed that it fuses with interior design. Remember to subscribe to the Veggie Interior Design Queen on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and whatever other podcast platforms you listen to. Please leave a review to help me increase the algorithm. And I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And I'll chat with you next week. Bye for now.